for the theme. Hey everybody, it's Brent and welcome to another mini episode of True North Nerds. So, um I went and saw uh Halloween uh, a couple weeks ago, the the new Halloween film, not to be confused with the original Halloween film that shares the title Halloween. And not to be confused with the Rob Zombie Halloween film, which is also called Halloween. This is a different movie in the same series as the first one, but uh, uh, yeah, I stole that joke from Honest Trailers. Um, anyways, I went to see the new Halloween film called Halloween. And um, so uh, the the rest of the, the True North nerd people uh, aren't really horror people. Um, we, we all like what we like. And I'm one of the, the guys who I, I like scary movies. And I really, really like uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. So um, the only other one is No Hawk Cosplay, and unfortunately he was uh, on a secret mission in the United States, so I couldn't get him to be on the show. Fortunately, I know a guy who really likes horror and uh, happened to take a little bit of time out of his very busy schedule to uh, chat with me because he, uh, much like me, really likes John Carpenter and really likes the original Halloween movie. And that gentleman is Alex Greenfield. Uh, you may remember I talked to Alex Greenfield um, last year uh, in pro- in conjunction with promotion for MLW Wrestling's uh, pay-per-view at the time. And uh, it went so well that MLW is now a uh, consistent thing. Uh, they are a consistent wrestling program. So uh, he, uh, he was in the midst of working on stuff uh, – uh, for MLW when he talked to me. And uh, the nice thing about Alex is not only is he a fan of horror, he's also written a few horror films. So he's got a, a unique kind of uh, look at it, or at least in terms of our podcast. He's he he's much more qualified to talk about movies than I am. But uh, we, we chatted for about half an hour or so, and uh, I think you'll like the results. Uh, just up front... Uh, we spoil the crap out of this movie. So if you haven't seen Halloween, or if you intend to see it and don't want it to be spoiled for you, uh, turn back now, because uh, we get into lots of spoilerly details. And without further ado, here is uh, mine and Alex Greenfield's chat about Halloween, once again, filled with spoilers. Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night 
that he would escape. Bell, did you do that for? So I can kill him. Alrighty, so as uh, we learned on uh, the last time we tried to do a Halloween episode for uh, the podcast, uh, I'm the only one who likes scary movies. So uh, I got the chance to see the new Halloween film, and that meant I need to bring somebody on board to uh, do the review with me. Luckily, in my Rolodex of people, I have somebody who has not only written a couple horror films, but is uh, bringing... uh, (laughs) Bringing horror to wrestling, if the the matches of Jimmy Havoc on MLW or anything to to be used as an example, uh, my joining me at this time is Mr. Alex Greenfield. Hey man, thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, Havoc and I talk horror movies all the time, and you can pretty clearly see like we will uh, uh, we will occasionally when we are when we are sculpting our little story things uh, borrow here and there from horror movies and uh, it's fun. I've always done that. I mean, even back at WWE, like I did this uh, this program with Trish Stratus and Mickey James that we referred to as single white female, and we were borrowing story beats from the movie. So, uh, yeah, well, I've, you worked I've on that program for good and ill. <laughs> you worked on the Trish Stratus program that oh, I didn't know that. Now that makes yep. a lot of sense, actually. Oh yeah, totally right. Yeah, no, no, no. That's sort of that was one of probably my favorite program I worked on over there because they gave us all the time in the world to do it. Because we told that story from God, I don't know October through whatever that pay per view right after WrestleMania, um, and it just like it was so much fun to do. <laughs> and and you also like for that era of pro wrestling, you also had a good match at the end of it. Like you knew yep. it was going to be decent by the time you got to the end of it. Oh yeah. And, and Trish and Mickey are just the best. Like they were, they, like they are total creative collaborators and yeah. And also two women who, uh, who dig scary movies. So it worked out pretty well. So let's, let's get to the meat of this, uh, released a, a couple weeks ago now and doing very well at the box office is the sequel to John Carpenter's Halloween. Um, it's, it, it is not just a sequel. I guess it's now the, the alternate timeline sequel depending on how you want to look at it wiping yeah, out third, uh, the third alternate timeline sequel yeah I, there's a there's a great video on on it uh the entire series and it goes through it and then it goes to this one and then it's like now we're in an alternate timeline uh, uh again and that's not including the rob zombie movies which are something else that we're not going to talk I about know, here. i know another alternate timeline right like so if you count the zombie movies so there's the original timeline is one, two, four, five, six, and yep. then one, two, H2O, resurrection, and then zombie, and now we're at one and 2018. It's uh, there, there are many, many alternate universe Michael Myers is running around out there. So uh, I know from uh, your Twitter feed that you're, uh, much like me, you're a John Carpenter fan. What was your connection with the original Halloween film? Is it is it one of the ones that's in the the top pantheon, or is it like kind of like eh, it was all right? Or oh no, I I love I love love love. I, you know there were there were the Jason kids and the Michael kids. It's like Beatles and the Elvis for horror fans, and I was always very much a Michael Myers fan. Um, I went to see Halloween two with my dad at the Linux Square Mall in Atlanta when it came out. And um, I hadn't seen the original at that point. So, you know, you sort of are jumped in right from the beginning because it opens with the end of part one and you get right into it. Yeah. I just got obsessed. Like 
if I had my notebooks from that time, you know, my shitty drawings of the mask and of, of the pumpkin opening up and, and all of that stuff. So I've been a Myers fan forever. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I, I'm, I wasn't going to say I'm interesting. No, not not putting myself over in the sense of interesting. I am one of the few people I love uh, for a lot. And I love where they went with the thorn, the sort of cult of thorn storyline. When I was very green and just starting out in Hollywood, one of the first things I got to pitch on after Halloween Resurrection uh, which is generally regarded, you know, as the worst in the series. Resurrection's uh, the uh, the one with the Buster, Buster Rhymes. Rhymes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's the Buster Rhymes karate kicking, uh, karate kicking Michael Myers. That was not good. But um, they were going to before the zombie remakes. They were going to do another direct to video sequel. Um, and I went and I pitched on it. And I was like, I walked into that room. It was at uh, at Dimension Films with uh, two ex- two really smart executives, Jesse Berdinka and Ken Park. And I go in there, and I am filled with piss and vinegar, man. Like I am ready to take Halloween to this whole new, dark, exciting place. And I was going to bring the thorn into the H2O timeline, and it was going to be great. And I got five minutes into that pitch, and they were like, Bob, Bob Weinstein. Uh, is never going to go for the thorn. He doesn't like it. And I was just like, oh, shit, I got nothing for you. <laughs> I have this fully crafted movie largely set at Smith's Grove in my head. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing nothing came of that. But I have actually pitched on a Halloween movie. So yeah, it's it's pretty important to me. I can't, the level of excitement I had, I've had for this sequel um, for the 2018 version for months and months has been really high. Like it's probably... Uh, with the exception of Infinity War, the movie I've been most excited about seeing this year. I, I've got to agree because uh, it, it sort of came out of like little bits of nowhere. Like when they, they announced that it was going to be that Danny McBride and his writing partner and uh, the director who's green. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're working on it. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Cause uh, like, even their their stuff is hit and miss with me. Uh, like I I really liked Eastbound and Down, uh, Vice Principals not so much. So uh, it, it's I was a little worried. And then when um, Jamie Lee Curtis signed on, it became interesting. But in like a well, is this she wants to do it, or is they drove a really big dump, dump truck up to her house filled with money? But. But then Carpenter gets involved. See, I, I had a similar thought process because I I don't even love Eastbound and Down, but I read their interviews and I was like, OK, these guys really get it. And then Jamie Lee comes on board and you're like, oh, this could be interesting. And then when John Carpenter came on board, I was like, this is the first sequel he's been directly involved in, I think, since two. Right. Yeah, um, I want to say yes. That, that um, sounds about right. Other than so, three, so, the idea was, but that's not a direct sequel. That's kind of a weirdo. Right. It's its own thing. Yeah, I'm also one of those. I dig the hell out of three. I oh, just, so do I. Called Halloween. It's such a weird, awesome, like bizarre movie, and the finish is just fantastic. When Atkins is telling him to stop it, to stop it, and the ad still run. It's just great shit. Um. But so so I was overwhelmingly excited uh, once Carpenter came on board and then came that first teaser trailer with Michael out on the yard chained mm. up 
And uh, I guess fair warning, we're going to spoil everything. Oh yeah, this. I'm I'm going to do a little bit of a taped introduction before this, giving everybody okay, a, good, a good. warning. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but uh, th- that scene on the yard when they're um, when when the two podcasters from England are inter- are trying to interview Michael, and that great shot when he pulls out the mask and the dog starts howling and the other madmen start screaming. Mm. Yeah, it was just I was like, oh, this is the movie I want to see. <laughs> like, this is it. And that's a that's a scene that stands up too. Like, a, like a, you see it a bunch in the trailers and stuff. And then sometimes when you see stuff like that, when you get to the actual theater, it, it doesn't play as well. But for me, it still kind of gave like a little bit of the goosebumps going down. And I, I think it helped too that for me that. They used uh, Nick Castle in oh, at yeah. least those parts, so it's an older guy. So you get the idea that he's been in there for a while, but he doesn't say anything. But he's still scary as fuck. <laughs> he's scary as fuck, and like he just just his body stance and the way it's shot. Like this guy, this seventy year old man, even within the timeline, right? It's forty years later. Yep. He was twenty one when he committed the murders in, in Halloween. This seventy fucking year old man, or or late six guy in his late sixties. What was he? He was twenty five in Halloween. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this old man who the most powerful person on that goddamn yard. Like there's just no question in your mind, and you're like, he just he. They walk him out, and he stands there chained to this giant weight, and he's just waiting, and just all in your head, all you can hear is that great Loomis. Uh, speech from the first film. I spent, you know, I spent 25 or I spent, what was it? I spent seven years uh, trying to reach him and another seven years trying to put him away. Yeah. The whole blackest eyes, the devil, devil's eyes. He was looking at the wall. He was looking through the wall at this night. And you're just like, oh, that's what he's doing right now. Ah, that seems just great. And it is interesting too. A lot of the, um, a lot of the scenes that we saw in the trailers, like the the bathroom gag with the teeth, is still horrifying. Oh even yeah, every trailer, it just lays out so perfectly, and the little bits of tension. I mean, goddamn, I hope David Gordon Green leaves comedy and goes horror forever, because <laughs> just just the scene before we get the tooth gag, the scene. Just imagine sitting in a stall and seeing those boots on the outside, not mm-hmm. moving. Not saying a word, just the way it builds tension is marvelous. Uh, the the other thing that I thought was interesting was the the attention to detail that was paid. Now I didn't notice it at first, but the uh, my friend Lisa, who I went and saw the movie with, because uh, my wife does not like horror movies, she noticed that in the yard scene that they had done a bit of makeup on Nick Castle to like, oh, white she's like well, that's where he got stabbed because she's like yeah. a Halloween fanatic and like was able to point out like that's from the, this is from that scene and that's from that scene and stuff yep. like that. Nope. Every little scar, like they must have gone over the original with a microscope, but yeah, there's the little blind, every little glimpse we get of Castle's face is just spectacular. Like, like, because you can feel yourself in the seat trying to sort of uh, move to the side a little bit to see just a little bit more, a little bit more. But we never get more than a one-quarter profile. Yeah. And it's, it's just fucking perfect. So uh, I think it's safe to say we both enjoyed the film. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, It's a very positive review. As we're going through it, there are some things that um, that I don't love. But on the whole, the most satisfying sequel since four, I think, in the in the in the whole Halloween canon. I, I think it's one of the, the better horror movies of the year, too, or at least theatrically re- released. Um, this has been a pretty fucking good year for movies, yeah. but there's a good there's a good chance it'll be on my top ten list for for uh, for for the purpose of um of nostalgia, if nothing else, right? Like, because it, it put you right there. Yeah, I I really loved it. There's some places where I have questions when we get to the very ending. Uh, <laughs> there's some notes that I think don't ring as well that get a mm. little a little too silly. But on the whole, like I had a, a great time in the theater. My wife and I, my wife does love horror movies, and we went and saw it together, and we had a good time. So the uh, I think the uh, the the next thing I'd like to touch upon is like I thought the 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 female characters in this movie were incredibly well written. Now that's me as a man saying that, so take it with a grain of salt. But I I like the fact that they weren't stupid. Like even um, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter, Laurie Strode's daughter in it, we, we kind of get the feeling she's a little stupid, but then at the end it's like, oh, she no, it, she was just it, sort of softened up a little it. bit. And Yep. No, she remembered her. Like what's beautiful about it is she, it's the movie you always wanted with John Connor and, and his crazy ass mother, right? Yeah. Like here's this woman who was raised by, I mean, Jamie Lee is clear, you know, Laurie Strode is fucking unhinged and Lord knows growing up with this woman who's trying to teach you guns and all of this shit, uh, was probably a, an awful experience. <laughs> like you see why child protective services were called, <laughs> but, um, even, even with that being the case, like once the shit goes down, she pulls it together. Like, like all, that childhood ends up paying off and they all do. And yeah, I agree the the only sort of uh, the two questions I really have about the or about the young characters who I feel like got that shortest shrift of, of, yeah. of anyone um, because I didn't really I didn't really get a sense of who the granddaughter is as a person you know and you know we have that great sequence with the babysitter like the clear callback. I had forgotten that that woman was even in the movie because I think she's only in the scene where they're walking up the road. It's, um, it's, it's, I feel like if there's an area where the movie fell short for me, it was in its treatment of the young characters. But I, on the whole, I totally agree. Like the women in this are the best again since Halloween four. Um, but, uh, I, I honestly, I wish I'd have had 15 minutes more movie. I think it's, you know, it's part of the problem of the marketplace now is slow burn movies. Um, like, I don't even know though. Cause hereditary was a big hit too. I, I wish we'd have had a little bit more time as we are. I think it's 50 minutes in the, in the original before the first kill. Yeah. Um, I wish we'd have had some more time. Um, with particularly with the young characters, because I just didn't feel like I knew them very well, and it's hard to care about people who you don't know. Yeah, I think other than maybe uh, uh, Lori's granddaughter, they're they're very cookie cutter. The, yeah. the the kids, they're you know you have the the chunky friend who wants to be the boyfriend. You have the the asshole boyfriend, uh, and and you know it's. 
But I, I, the one thing that I, I did like was with the granddaughter was when uh, Chunky Boy, who wants to be the boyfriend, makes a move on her after she just dumped the asshole boyfriend. Right, she right, doesn't right. go for it. She's like, "No, you're a dick." She's just it's, like, "No, you're gross, nice guy." <laughs> um, the so I, I think we'll co- we'll go to the the point where, for me. I, I had a little bit of an issue with, but it, it gets cut short r- weirdly fairly quickly, and that is the the psychiatrist who then becomes the murderer. In yeah, that's the big controversial thing. I was just before we got on, I was listening. Uh, Ryan Turek, who's one of the producers of the film, does a great horror podcast called Shockwaves. Okay. He works for for Blumhouse Productions, which is. You know, far away the biggest horror producer in the in the world right now, mm-hmm. um, and is one of the key producers on the movie. He developed it and all of that, and he was just sort of uh, talking about like they weren't spoiling in the way that we are, but they were. The uh, his co host is like, so there's that one moment where the guy does the thing, and he and Turek's like, yeah, that's the the big controversial thing, and he explained a little bit of the reasoning about it, wanting to sort of invert the Loomis trope. I like this is another one where I wish we'd have had a little more time with the character because the beat is great, and the moment when he puts on the mask is fucking just so creepy and weird and unsettling. But I, did, I wasn't invested in – like I hope there's a director's cut where we have 10 more minutes on that character because mm. they don't really – and I've only seen it once and will certainly be seeing it again. It doesn't – it feels like it comes completely out of left field and in, in a way that makes me think, was something cut or, or what happened because it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that's a, see, that was my thing with it, and then it kind of, it, to me, it almost read like this was an idea that they had, and then the whole thing kind of got tourniqueted. Yeah, because he get he like he gets murdered pretty quickly thereafter too. So it's, it's the, just a couple of minutes, right? Like, yeah, on, we get we get our big man in black from Halloween Five moment, uh, and then. He meets a nefarious. I do love that last, the last little say something, and he says it in the way that Michael does. Ah, <laughs> and Stomp is just like there aren't a lot of gross outs in this. I mean, the no. two that stand out to me are the knife and um, the knife scare, and in the uh, when he's just doing his circuit of the neighborhood murdering people, the window gag when he just walks around the house and walks up behind the woman and stabs her through the neck. And the uh, the psychiatrist kill, which is just so fucking brutal, <laughs> it's just magnificent. But yeah, it, that's a, a story area where it where it didn't quite work for me. I am always going to want to migrate towards. I mean, like you see this with the the shit Jimmy and I do in in MLW, and some of the stuff I do with Selena as well with with the the Bruja, the witchy aspects of her character. Um, I always want to go toward the supernatural and I feel like they wanted to have their cake and eat it too a little bit. Cause we get that great scene on the yard where clearly something supernatural is going on. Cause when they show Michael the mask and everybody starts flipping out, everything about that scene says, Oh shit, the devil just woke up. Um, but they don't ever touch it. They never touch on any supernatural element to him. 
And I understand that. Like on the one hand, you're like part of what makes Michael scary is that you don't understand. So maybe giving any more of that would have would have diminished the nightmare of why is this guy coming after Lori as opposed to anyone else? What is like what is the connection there? What does this all mean? Maybe the mystery is better. But at the same time, um, I feel like Michael was a little bit. Like, why give us the big supernatural tease at the very beginning yeah. and then completely walk away from it and he's just a dude? Yeah. Uh, well, he's a dude with superpowers. Apparently. Yeah, a dude with some pretty remarkable superpowers. And given that they're already over $100 million, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to be seeing enough more of him that um, we, he will be supernatural by the end. Yeah, I, I was good, actually. I was going to ask you. Of, I, I think it's a, a given that we're getting a sequel, but oh, what type sure. of sequel do you think we get? I know. Is, is it going to be like a cash grab, and they they, they pull up the dump truck back to uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's door, and we get kind of a watered down version of this, or do you think that they'll they'll take their time and do something original with it again? I know for a certainty that everybody involved really cares about the project in a way that the Weinsteins never did. Like the Weinstein, all of them were just a cash grab. It's one of the reasons six is so bad is they and um, Mustafa Akkad's uh, uh, people were just at war with each other about where to, where to take the story. And they, you know, uh, Harvey, in addition to all of his, <laughs> His awfulness was referred to as Harvey Scissorhands for cutting up director's material. And one of the reasons Halloween 6 is so horrible is um, like three different people were cutting the movie. So of course it's incoherent because there's no unifying vision. In this case, Jason Blum loves Halloween. Ryan Turek loves Halloween. McBride and Green love Halloween. Like everybody involved on the creative side of this project care about it. And here's the thing. You can turn around really smart sequels fast. Like if they want to hit next Halloween, that is still possible. It happened. Look, my favorite Saw film is Saw 2. Uh, mm. which they turned around in less than a year. So you can, you know, really hit with these things. Um, I hope they take their time and they do it smart. I, it's like with, with uh, they would have to back the truck up. And especially now with, you know, the giant, like this is going to be a, one of the biggest horror movies of all time. Yeah. Um, they have the dump truck to pull up to Jamie Lee Curtis's house. But what else do you need to say with that character? Because I don't want to see Michael successfully kill her. Um, I want to see Michael maybe standing in front of her grave like he stood in front of Judith's grave before going on to the next thing. Okay. Um, I think the the daughter and the granddaughter were both. Pardon me, I can I'm blanking on their names. I oh, so am I. That's why I just referred to. <laughs> but I think the daughter and the granddaughter um, are are really interesting characters. Um, I also like with the psychiatrist, I feel like there's a good prequel story you could do set at Smith's Grove. Um, but I have no, I have no idea exactly what it is, but I think there's some interesting prequel where you see this, this guy get turned by Michael who is non talking, you know, um, where do the bodies come from? How is this not a story? Like there's, there's a whole bunch of problems that come from that. Um, you can also do the like if you back the dump truck up, 
there's no reason you can't do a Halloween two that picks up the fucking same night, right? Like, however he gets out of that basement, and here we're getting close to me talking about how goofy the basement was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but after he gets out of the exploding basement trap, <laughs> it sounds silly even when you say it. Um, he just, you know, picks up the knife and continues with the uh, with the crime spree. There are a lot of interesting directions they could go. And I feel like they whatever direction they go, I feel like they've reset the world in such a way that I am psyched for another Halloween movie. Mm. So did you have any other issues with it other than uh, just some characters got short shrift or some, some characters got short shrift and the finish um, the entire house is a trap with this fairly complicated gas rigged up and a cage that closes uh that closes in on the um on the on the already hidden panic room like it just felt like they were sitting there and saying to themselves how do we get rid of michael and they came up with the most over extravagant um i i thought it was silly like I when they when she cranks the um the lever and the and the bars shut off the uh cage and he's looking up at them like oh dear I've I've been locked in and the weird tra- I I just I didn't like the finish of the movie at all I didn't mind it but I did find like right away usually it's one of those things with movies I'll have to think about it before finding little holes and plot holes but instantly when they went to the basement I'm like so she can rig up all these traps and lights and everything around around her compound, but you're telling me she couldn't figure out an audio video splitter to put another security feed camera or uh, monitor down in the basement. So I know. Could see right? what was like, going on upstairs. Run, you could have run a cable downstairs, and like, there's a whole bunch of that. And the notion that. Um, so if the trap is rigged to blow up the basement, what you're saying by building the panic room and the hidden door, the, the kitchen island gimmick. Um, so your big plan is you're going to hide in a basement, but you are aware that he's going to get down into the basement and you're going to have to figure out how to do do with Michael fucking Myers to get yourself out of the basement and him down into it. It's just like it worked. But it's a terrible freaking plan. (laughs) Like, literally, you have to get on the stairs with the most dangerous human being on Earth who almost killed you before. It seems like an awful plan. He he has been shot multiple times, stabbed, and lived through it all. But you're just going to kind of slide by him on the stairs? Yeah, yeah, just... (laughs) Just, you know, maybe he'll be looking the other way when you breeze past him on the narrow staircase that... Again, to get down there, he's going to have had to have ripped a kitchen island out of the floor. <laughs> like, it's a terrible plan. Yeah, I, I, her plan would have been all for not... Uh, well, I guess she would have just shot him if if he it just ended up being a regular 70-year-old. <laughs> like, <laughs> <she> just, <laughs> maybe a little bit in in half-decent shape and able to, to move around better, but still, yeah... yeah. I'm wondering what, like, if he's not supernatural, I'm wondering what his training regimen is. Like, is he doing isometric exercise while he stands 
completely still? Is he is he like just pulling on that giant weight? Like what? How has he stayed in such great shape? Because dude, oh well, we just didn't see the CrossFit class that he does every <laughs> Tuesday. They're, they have a great uh, occupational therapy section of uh, of the Smith's Grove Sanitarium. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, Short review, strongest recommendation. If you're a Halloween fan, you'll dig it. If you're just a scary movie fan, I don't think you need to have seen anything else. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, I've heard it described as like the Force Awakens of horror movies. You know, that like kind of makes sense to me when you like when you think about the architecture, how it's so closely mirrored New Hope, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. But I'll, buy it. I, I'll oh, go we, see it again. They're getting my money probably at least two or uh, one or two more times. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah another thing it shares with uh, most Star Wars movies, anyway. Yeah. Um, the and there's something else we didn't talk about um, that I thought was so clever by the filmmakers. I loved the little moment. I think it's when the teens are talking when they're doing the walk and talk down the road, which so closely mirrors um, Lori and her friends in Halloween One. Um, when they're like, yeah, this, this guy murdered four, five people. Like this isn't even a, it's not even, um, a blip in the radar in this age of, of mass shootings and shit like that. Like it is an interesting thing that these slashers, I mean, accepting, I guess, Jason, who God knows how many hundreds of people he fucking murdered. Why do people keep going to Crystal Lake? <laughs> um, but, but Michael Smalltime. He's totally small time in today's day and age. Like, is is a knife murder in Haddonfield, Illinois, even even national news at this point? You know what I mean? I I just thought it was an interesting an interesting way to look at the slasher movie that this these these monstrosities from the eighties are small ball compared to just the horrors of the real world at this point. That that's it. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it that way, but you're right. Yeah, it's well that that's yeah, scary for reality, isn't it? Way down. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I, I have kept you uh, for uh, a good period of here, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. So, okay. uh, just for our listeners, though, where can they uh, find you and your work when uh, they're not listening to you on uh, your guest appearances here? Well, uh, I don't know when this is airing, but we have a television program. Uh, we're taping it on the day that that releases. It is on BN Sports USA. Uh, it is coming to uh, Fight Network up in your neck of the woods oh, starting, nice. starting next Tuesday, I think. Don't quote me on that. If you hit the at MLW Twitter tag, they will <laughs> the accurate information will be there. But it starts next week with... Our big, uh, appropriate for the moment, Halloween episode, MLW Fright Night, uh, in which your featured matches are um, uh, PCO versus LA Park, which is uh, you, which is a, a match of monsters, right? He's yep. not human, and the other one's wearing the face of death. So uh, that one is appropriate for Halloween. And then uh, we have talked about him already, Jimmy Havoc going one-on-one with Sammy Callahan in a throwback spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match, uh, which is ludicrous and insane and a whole lot of fun. So I hope people will check that out. Um, and then we drop the shows on YouTube at 6.05 p.m., a magical time for wrestlers uh, and wrestling fans, on Saturday nights. And you can find me on Twitter, at Alex D. Greenfield. 
So I hope you like this uh, little mini episode that we did with uh, Mr. Greenfield. Uh, Alex is always fun to talk to. And uh, if the stars align right, uh, we might have him back in for another mini episode uh, within uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, he and I uh, talked about something. And if you follow my Twitter feed, um, I'm at BC Nerd Hole. Uh, you would uh, note that there was a conversation a couple days ago between myself and a couple other uh, former guests of the show, and uh, we're we're following up on that. So there might be a uh, another mini episode in the offing uh, discussing a uh, well, I don't want to give it away, but uh, it's something cool, hopefully. Um, in the meantime, uh, hope you enjoyed this. We're, like I said, we're going to try and put some extra content out there through various channels and these little mini episodes are, uh, our first attempts at doing so. In the meantime, uh, next week there will be a full episode with, uh, all the gang, assuming, uh, nobody calls in sick, uh, because we haven't recorded it yet as of this recording. Uh, but we are planning on it. So hopefully you will enjoy that as well. And in the meantime, uh, thank you very much for listening. And please feel free to tell all your friends about the show. More people listening means more ears, means we get to do, do uh, cooler stuff. So uh, thank you again and have a good one. Set your phasers to been listening to the true north nerds recorded at the utility cupcake research kitchen reach the nerds on twitter at true north nerds on facebook under surprise true north nerds and you can reach them by email at true north nerds at gmail.com if you like the opening theme song it's called set your phasers to sexy by kirby crackle from the album sounds like you Please go to KirbyCrackleMusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.